Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, June the 12th, 2012, and this is episode 920 of the Survival Podcast. I got a neat show for you today. I'm going to talk about raising self-sufficient children. Uh, and I won't be talking about teaching them to make bowl drill fires and things like that today. I'm going to talk about the mindset that leads to self-sufficiency. And kind of the things that we did, right and wrong, is we, we raised our son, who's now a 22-year-old man and a hell of a guy. And uh, I, I think that a lot of what he's got today is because of the seeds that we planted him when he was, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. And uh, I'll talk about that. And I'll be honest about some of the things that I, you know, I know now, but I wish I knew then. And uh, I got more to say on that in a bit. Before I do, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today, Fortress Defense Consultants. You need to check these guys out, man. I'm telling you what. Having a firearm is great, but having the training to go with it is even more important. And you will not find better quality training than you will with Fortress Defense Consultants and Frank Sharp Jr.'s operation. Check them out today at FortressDefense.com. Uh, and make sure you add training to that arsenal of yours. Because if you have a bunch of guns without training, it's almost as bad as having a bunch of guns without ammunition. You need all three of those components to make them what they really can be for you and your family. Uh, next up today, the Berkey guy, Jeff Gleason at Directive21.com. You know, there's a million places you can buy Berkeys today. Not quite a million, but there's a lot. If you go to a gun show, a self-reliance expo, anything like that, you go to a lot of uh, gun stores and stuff now, they're starting to carry preparedness items. Uh, if you go to uh, you know, like a, an Army-Navy store, there's very few real ones left, but you know the knockoff ones. Depending on where you go, you will find water filtration systems, and a lot of times you'll find Berkey because it's one of the best-selling products uh, on the planet and one of the best-made products on the planet. So you can get a Berkey anywhere. So why go to Jeff Gleason? Why go to Directive21.com? Why go to Directive21.com and, and deal with Jeff? He's the Berkey guy. Who, why would you get your Berkey from anybody but the Berkey guy? And, and I'll tell you what. The other reason is because he's been here over three years, and I've had zero complaints from the audience about his customer service and taking care of things and fixing problems. I don't hear anything other than, you know, he's a great guy. That's the only thing I ever hear about him. And I'll tell you what. You want great pricing, you want great service, go to Directive21.com and add a Berkey to your self-sufficiency and self-reliance plan today. Check them out again, Directive21.com. Best way to deal with the Berkey guy and Fortress Defense and all of the other uh, great sponsors that we have, go to the survivalpodcast.com first. Click on their banner in the right-hand margin, and then you'll know you're dealing with somebody that actually has been vetted by our, our listener council and has my personal endorsement. No, I don't send you there because I get kickbacks if you click on their banners like one tard sent me last week. I don't really care that you click on their banners other than it makes sure that you go to the right place. Uh, they, there's, there's nothing that happens when you click on their banner for me other than you get to the right place. Next up, remember, uh, you can support this show by joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you'll get exclusive content available only to members. And you can do that for about 18.3 cents a day. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on either the membership banner or members in the top tab for information on how to join. Remember, it's always on sale if you pay by silver. I think silver's 28 bucks an ounce today. One ounce of silver equals one year. That's a year for 28 bucks versus 50. Uh, so it's always on sale for those who pay with silver, at least as long as silver is down at 28 bucks in it. 
Uh, next up, uh, remember, if you're going to join the Member Support Brigade and your military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, or other first responders, email me before you join. Tell me who you are and what you're doing or who you are and what you did if you're prior service, and I'll send you a special discount code to thank you for your service uh, and recognize you for your service to our country, either at home or abroad, uh, and taking care of other people. I also want to remind you guys real quick, I need you guys calling in for the, uh, the episode 1000. Really haven't had that many calls yet. Um, if you listen to the one-year anniversary show or episode 550, you'll get a feel for what those shows are like. Uh, I want this show to go long. I want it to have tons of people calling in and, and sharing what they've done in their lives. The number for that show is not the Think Line. It's 866-691-5353. I've heard from a few people that are like, well, I called in before, and I don't know if I should again call in again. If you were on the other shows, you did a great job. That's why you, that's why you were on there. Call in again. Just call in and leave a message and let us know how preparedness, self-sufficiency, uh, letting go of consumer lifestyle, the Survival Podcast, the Survival Podcast Forum, preparedness in general, etc., has changed your life uh, for the better. And let's make episode 1000 really great. Again, one more time, the number is 866-691-5353. All right, with that wrapped up, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show, which again is uh, raising self-sufficient and self-reliant children. And it doesn't necessarily mean raising our children to be preppers. I think prepping is something that people uh, grow into based on their own life philosophy. What I'm really concerned with today is raising, raising kids that when they're 21, 22, 23 years old can stand up by, on their own in the world and maybe come back, you know, come back to the, the, the nest, so to speak, when they need help and moral encouragement or, or, or some type of uh, advice but they basically can live a life, that they're not living at home when they're 26 or 27. And, and that's happening more and more. And kids are getting out of college, and we can talk about the victimhood and all we want there, but it's less about the, the economy, and it's more about raising children as children instead of what they are, little people that are destined to become adults. And, and understanding my golden rule of parenting, your job is to work yourself out of a job. Every day... Your job as a parent, especially once you get past kind of the, the, the early formative years and into the, you know, like seven, eight, nine, by the time they can have conversations, they know what they're supposed to do, they don't always do it, but by the time you got a kid that's nine years old, every day your job should become a little easier. I know what you're thinking. Well, there's teens and driving and everything. I understand that. I'm not talking about the stress level. I'm not talking about worrying. I'm talking about what you have to act actively do. If you're doing it the way that it's designed to be done, which is turning that young person into a young adult and eventually a self-sufficient adult. I also want to let you guys know a few things, some, some, some caveats before I start today. Number one, I have a certain limitation. Uh, I was given the honor of, of serving as a stepfather, and that's exactly how I took it. It was a service, just like my service to my country when I was in the military. It was a, an honor. You know, service is an honor if it's really a service, and uh, the honor of being a stepfather. I've never actually had a child of my own by blood, and I, I couldn't love my son any more uh, if he was born to me than I do today. It, it, there would be no difference. I can say that affirmatively. But I came into his life when he was about seven years old, first grade, I think, um, and uh, might have even been second because he was like me. He started school very, very young. Um, yeah, I think it was in second grade. And uh, he had, his mother had been divorced from his father for over a year, and his father lived close, and there were some tough things there due to some drug use by his father, 
Uh, and unfortunately for my son, his, his birth father died at a, a, just way too young of an age. But what this whole setup led to is that I've never had to parent a child who's three years old or two years old or five years old. So my experience is from seven up, right? And, and that has some inherent limitations. So I don't have a whole lot of experience or knowledge about, you know, sending the kid off to pre-K or kindergarten or things like that for the first time or dealing with potty training and all that other stuff. I, I you know, miss that. And uh, on some levels, I'm grateful for the diaper thing. But on the other stuff, you know, it's, it's too bad. Um, but that's just the way life was. So I can't really speak from those years back because I would be speaking completely theoretically. The next thing I want to say is I am not a parenting expert. I am not Dr. Phil. I do not have a Ph.D. in anything except life. Uh, I, I am not here telling you that what you're doing is wrong. I'm not here telling you that my way is perfect. I'm certainly not telling you that the way I'll present things is 100% the way we did things because we become um, better as we go. We become more educated as we go. And I think that's why kids love their grandparents so much because I think by the time you're the perfect parent, your kids don't really need a parent anymore, not in the traditional sense. Uh, because now you have the full experience of raising children to adulthood. So now you have all the experience you need to do it, but yet you've kind of finished your job, so to speak. You know, So uh, I think that we get better as we go, and I think that some of the stuff I'll tell you today is things that I can look back now and go, if I had done these things a little bit differently, it might have worked out even better than it did. Okay, so let's be... Let's be you know clear about that, that I'm not telling anybody what to do or how to do it. I'm telling you what we did and what worked and how I see things based on my life as a whole. And growing up, and let me tell you a little bit about how I grew up. Uh, I grew up with a father who worked 363 days a year. Um, I never really had my father in my life until I was about 13 years old. And then I had a couple of years where he was always there. And then he kind of had a midlife crisis and my parents got divorced and he really wasn't again. Um, so I didn't have that strong male role model growing up. Uh, my mother was a drug addict, so that doesn't really help. And she was also an alcoholic, and she really wasn't a very nice person. And she, to me, she still isn't. Um, so I had to be self-sufficient and self-reliant as a child um, because it was necessary. And I think that's given me a different view than a lot of people have. I did have good grandparents on both sides. And they probably saved me from being uh, a statistic. I, I would probably have been running the streets and, and, and into drugs and, and everything else and, and uh, criminal activity or, or things like that without the roots that were, you know, the foundation of both sides of that. And I do feel, I don't want anybody to misunderstand this, I think my father is a good man, but I think he had a lot of problems in his life dealing with my mother and his, his solution to being miserable was just do more work. So we have a decent relationship now, but, you know, I'm just telling you, it wasn't there when I was eight years old. Uh, never came to a basketball game, never came to a football game, never came to a soccer game. And that made it more important for me to do those things. When And even with the years that I traveled, if I was home and my kid was doing something, I was there. So I, I think that my viewpoint is a little bit unique because... I parented in a very you know traditional be there for your kid kind of way, even though I grew up without it. So I understand both sides of it because I've seen the difference that it makes, and I know the hold that it leaves. 
So hopefully I can impart some of that onto some of you guys today, especially those of you who are dealing with split homes and things like that. And let me just say, before I go any deeper into this, if you're in a divorce situation and the kid is in one house and then the other and back and forth, you're not going to like what your ex does and they're not going to like what you do and they're not going to like when you have an, your own life and maybe somebody new in your life. And, they're, and you know what? Grow the F up. Okay, all of you, all of the people out there that are saying shit uh, negative about the other parent, okay, to your kids need to be smacked in the freaking face. Every time you do it, you need to smack yourself in the face, at least metaphorically, and shut your freaking pie hole. All right, we had plenty of things we could have said uh, negative about uh, about our son's, you know, birth father uh, when he was in some pretty bad states due to diabetes and I taking care of it, due to drug abuse, due to drug use, uh, the fact that he was dealing, uh, and the fact that he was basically, you know, I say he died young, he basically took a really long time to commit suicide. There was plenty bad to say. There was plenty of, of reason for us to say, you know, you don't even need to spend time with your father, but we didn't do that. We were very, very careful to make sure that the, the boy wasn't exposed to any of that stuff. We never said a bad thing about his father. And those of you that are just mad because your ex-wife has a new boyfriend, shut up when you're talking to your kid. You talk to your buddies about that, your contemporaries. That's your kid's mom. Uh, I really didn't plan to go into this, but i got to tell you, it's uh, it, 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 just, just thinking about it now, it really bugs me that people do that. Don't put your kids in the middle of this shit. Love your kids, raise your kids, and hopefully most of the people listening won't have to deal with the situation I'm talking about. When you do... Right? You chose to be married. You chose to divorce. You chose to have children. And you can say, well, it was an accident or whatever. No, no. You chose. You're an adult. Right? You have to model adult behavior for your kid. Now choose to shut your hole about your ex and raise your child. And when you need to vent, go have a beer with your buddies. Go, go to a book club with your girlfriends and drink a glass of wine. And you can do it there. But in front of your children, that's their mother, that's their father. It's important that they have a positive image of that person, even if they don't fully deserve it. All right, I'm going to let that go now. So um, the other thing I want to really make sure that I drive home as I start today is, one, I want you to understand that growth takes time. I think there's a lot of parents out there that when they finally realize that, like, I need to be more active in my kid's life and everything, they want their kid to grow up really, really fast. And not necessarily, like, grow into like this, you know, there's because the mom's like crying because the kid went to kindergarten or some crap like that, but yet they want to see progress. And I, I liken this to the person that goes and plants a bean seed, and then they go back tomorrow and they go, why isn't it sprouted yet? Well, because it takes seven to ten days to sprout. So then it finally sprouts and it's got a couple leaves on it, and, and you know, and they're like, well, why aren't there any beans in, in there yet? Well, because it takes, you know, 60 to 90 days for this plant to reach maturity and, and give you beans. Right? So that we need to understand that the growth takes time and that we need to appreciate the little subtle growth along the way. The other thing is it's really important that you don't judge your child's progress based on the progress of others because that progress may not be progress. It really may not be. There were times with our son who seemed to be a year or two behind his contemporaries where we would look at other children his age and just their outgoingness, their assertiveness, their attitude, uh, their drive, their desire, and we would think, man, he's behind the curve. I'll tell you what, he's not behind the curve of most 22-year-olds today. So you got to have the patience, and we, 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 we did do that right. That was something that my wife and I would talk about and always just go, you know what, he'll be fine. And I think it's important that you do that. So I want to talk to you about some of the rules that we had 
with our son as he grew up. Um, the first was the foundational rule. I, I'm big on having structure. I never considered myself strict. I just believe that structure means that whether it's your kids or employees or a team, uh, that people know what they're supposed to do. And when you know what you're supposed to do and you know what your foundational ethics and core are, then it's very easy for you to self-evaluate. And if you can self-evaluate, then nobody else has to do it for you. And that means that we all need a foundation in everything. So our foundation with rules was a rule that I think most parents would have a hard time saying to their kids, but you should be saying it to your kids, in my, in my personal view. And that is, as you grow, you should end up with less rules every year. I should have less rules. I mean, that was the, one of the first things. When I actively decided, okay, now we're, we've moved our relationship. Darth and I have moved our relationship into another level. We're going we're gonna to move in together. We're going to get married. I'm going to be a parent, right? And I'm going to be a, an equal co-parent. And he's going to have to, you know, even, you know, this takes, stepfathers, it takes time. It takes a long time before they call you dad, dude. And it's okay. And stepmoms, same thing. And let it be. But act like a parent. They will take you as a parent because you act like one, not because you tell them you are one, right? <laughs> Again, action is everything in, in this world today, and it's the, it's the thing that's most lacking. So act like a parent. And one of the things I did is sit down and said, you know what? We're a blended place now. And I'm talking to this kid who's seven years old, eight years old, and this is exactly how I phrased it. You know, we're, 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 we're all together now. And I'm going to be part of your life. You're going to be part of mine. And I know you're happy about some of it and you're not happy about other parts of it. And that's okay. But we're going to have rules and we're going to follow rules. And your mom already has some rules and I have some rules. And there's places where I'm easier and there's places where your mom's easier. And we're going to work it out together and we're going to make decisions jointly. And we're going to try to have you making your own decisions too. But the rules are designed to help keep you safe and help you grow up. Right? And this is another thing, folks. Don't talk down to your children. Right? By the time they're seven, eight years old and have a command of the English language, talk to them with respect. And if they don't understand something, they'll ask you. So don't assume you need to dumb it down because that's another problem with our kids. Too many people dumb and crap down. And, I, and what I said, you know, and this, this opens kids up. We're going to have a lot of rules in the beginning because you're only seven or eight years old. There's a lot of things you don't know that can hurt you. And you don't know that they can hurt you. So the rules are designed to keep you away from them. As you get older, though, it stands to reason you're going to learn more, right? And, and learn to ask, like when you're talking to kids, learn to shut up for a second, ask a question, and hear what they have to say. Because that will help you say the next thing. So when you say, right, they, usually a kid will get this, right? So if I get older, I'm going to know more, so I'll be smarter. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So as that happens, there will be less rules that you'll need to have. Because you'll be able to set your own rules. So every year, I want to have some of our rules that we have for you just go away. Right? So, yeah, like you used to have a rule that you had to be home by 3 o'clock. Now, now maybe the rule gets modified, you got to be home by 5 o'clock. Maybe the rule was you had to, you know, whatever. But I want the rules to go away. I don't even want to have a rule. I, I just get, by the time you're in high school, I don't have a rule about you doing your homework. Because I want you to do that yourself. I don't want to have to say, do your homework. I want you to have your own rules. Because you choose to do these things. And kids get this. Trust me, trust me, kids get this because there's something in it for them. And that's, I think, a very, very big thing that we need to mark, start doing is making children see what's in it for them without it being a new video game or a piece of candy or some other piece of crap. Like, what's in it for me as a person? What will I get out of it for the rest of my life? Um, on that note, so then we're going to go into more concrete rules, right? Because that was a foundational rule. So whenever we had a problem, you know, and, and we'd say, look, you're having a problem with this area, 
Remember our goal so you'll have less rules? You want less rules, right? Yep. Okay, so we've got to correct this so that you will have less rules next year. See, that's why it was a foundation as a cornerstone. We can always come back to it and use it as motivation. But then, like, very, very early on, you know, young kids cry for crap. So we had a rule. If you cry for something, you don't get it, period. If we're in a store and you say, I want this, you go, uh, I don't know. Uh, okay, you don't get it. Even if I was going to change my mind. Even if I want you to have it. The minute you've cried for it, you don't get it. Because when you set a standard that a person can complain, whine, or cry, you know, or moan, or whatever, and get what they want, you're encouraging that behavior. And that was flat out a hard and fast rule. The next one was you're expected to pitch in around the house. Now, this isn't your jobs and your allowance, right? That's a separate thing. But you're expected to pitch in around the house, which means if there's some crap laying on the floor and you walk past it, pick it up. doesn't matter if it's your job to do that that day or not. The fact that you live here and the crap's on the floor, it's probably yours anyway. Pick it up, right? Um, if your friends come over and they break something, it's your responsibility. And that one, you know, it's the, the famous it's not fair, and I'll save that for the end, uh, my response to that one. But uh, yes, it is, because they're your friends, and if they're here... And, they're, and they're, they're doing things they're not supposed to because you've invited them. It's your responsibility to make sure they're not doing what they're not supposed to do. If they won't knock it off, you need to ask them to leave. If they refuse to leave and refuse to knock it off, let me know, and I will make sure that they understand it very, very clearly, but you should do it first, not me. Because if I do it, then it's just me. So as long as the two of you can get it away together, you know, get away with it together, right? Good cop, bad cop, you're the good cop, right? That doesn't work. They need to understand that they're the rules of the house and they're your rules, not mine. You don't want your friends breaking your TV, do you? No. Okay, great. Then you set that rule. You don't want them messing things up. You're going to have to clean it up, do you? No. Then you set that rule. So now you're teaching. The child, not only to have rules that they follow, but to set their own rules and hold other people accountable. Sound like self-sufficiency? Sound like self-reliance? Right? The next one was, and this is more on the, the actual work stuff, allowance is a paycheck, and it was a two-way street in our house. Uh, I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Uh, when we lived in Arlington, uh, in the first place we had in Arlington, we had a really small backyard, and a kid wanted a dog. We got him a dog. And the dog crapped a lot. And it was a small backyard, especially in the spring. You end up with a lot of dog poo and a lot of stink. So the poo had to be picked up a couple times a week. That was his job. Now, if it didn't get done, my backyard's going to stink. Okay, and we paid him his allowance was his age. So he's nine years old. He gets $9 a week. We figure out how many jobs he has a week. And that's, let's say, picking up the poo is going to pay him $1.50. Well, if he didn't pick it up for two days that week... Then I had to do it, so he had to pay me. He also didn't earn his money, so now he owes me $3. He didn't think that was fair. Again, I'll say fair for the end, but I thought it was completely fair. These are your jobs, you know. And the one time, I remember, this is a few years down the road. This is maybe 12 or 13. This dog needed a bath. The dog stunk, right? So uh, I, I was on him for like, like two weeks. The dog stinks. Give the dog a bath. And I don't go and do things like this. Like, okay, now I'm going to take you, and you're, gonna, you're not leaving until you give the dog a bath. I don't do that. I'm like, it's your responsibility. Take care of it. And I leave it at that. So about two weeks of this goes on. So then I get the hose, and I go out, and I wash the dog, and I dry him and all. And then I went and got on my computer and pulled up my invoicing software, and I wrote him an invoice for $29 for dog bathing. 
dog bathing, dog grooming, dog drying, uh, my time away from my job. I put it all on there in an itemized invoice, and I gave it to him. He didn't think it was funny, but he got the message. And yes, I made him pay it. I made him pay it. You know the money always ends up back, but I made him pay it. I made him understand you shirked the responsibility. So allowance was not something you were entitled to. You had certain jobs you did. They paid a certain rate. And if you don't do your job, somebody else has to do your job, and that costs you. It was a very important lesson that we wanted our son to learn. And that worked. And the kid has an amazing work ethic. You know, he tends bar now, and I see him behind the bar, and he runs that freaking bar. I mean, that is, it's like, it's like a totally different person than I remember him at 18. You know, and he's kept his first job for like six years. Who the, who the hell keeps your first job for six years? I sure, I don't know if I ever kept a job for six years. Uh, so that, that worked. Um, another rule that we had is never lie to us. Never lie to us. No matter what happened, always tell us the truth. You're going to need our trust someday. And I remember several times when I knew he wasn't quite being truthful, saying, look, you need to, you need to level with me. You need to set a precedent with me that I know when I look you in the eye and I ask you the truth that you are always giving me the truth, even if I don't want to hear it. Because someday, at some time, and I can't tell you how or what or why, but someday someone's going to say you did something that you didn't do, and you're going to need me. Well, I think he was in his late teens. Uh, two police officers show up at the door. Supposedly a neighbor saw him and another kid uh, leaving the scene of a house that was broken in, which is just ridiculous for my kid, and I, I knew it didn't happen. And what had happened is the neighbor said he drove down with two kids in the car, then the one ducked down and the driver drove back, and this person followed my son to our house and then called the police. Well, what he had done is his, his friend lived across the street from the, this person and the broken-in house. He went over, pulled up. The, other, the friend got out and went home, and he came back, and the person misinterpreted the circumstances. But he needed us in that situation. He needed us to fully back, back him. You know, And God knows if he had something in his room that wasn't supposed to be there, I sh I'm sure it wasn't related to this, but when the police officer said, can we search his room, the answer was hell no. And when the answer was, and the question was, why not? The, the response was, do you have a warrant? Right? So we had a situation there where he needed us to be 100% on his side. And he had the trust because he had earned it. And that's another part of this, is to teach your children, you trust them, but your, the trust is earned. And the trust, therefore, can be damaged. And if they want your trust, they have to always be honest with you, even when you don't want to hear it. And that when they are honest with you, You'll take the honesty into consideration, even when it was something they shouldn't have done. It doesn't mean you'll let them get off scot-free, but you will handle it differently than if you had found out from somebody else, right? Or you had been lied to about it. And that really does breed trust. And that's like one of the biggest things you can have with your kids is trust. And trust is, is something that when it's damaged, it's very hard to earn back. And as the adult... It's your responsibility to cultivate the trust, not your child's responsibility to maintain it, right? A two-year-old will lie to you. Did you eat the cookie? No. Because they're not trustworthy? No, because they're freaking two, dude. That's why. So be the adult, right? And start that lesson very, very early, right? And have a consequence for it. Because at two, when, you, when they lie about the cookie, you can put them in timeout in a corner for 30 seconds, and they think it's the end of their freaking world, and it has an impact, Right, but you're not. You're, you, the tr trust really hasn't been damaged because you expect a two-year-old to lie to you. You don't expect your ten-year-old to lie to you. 
Now, when you're having a very honest, frank conversation, and you've told them you already know the truth, and they still lie to you, then you have a problem. Right? So make sure you, 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 you really drive home the message about trust. Another rule that I had, and I think this is so important, to teaching your children to be accountable. And without accountability, you're not going to have self-sufficiency or self-reliance in their life. And that is, when I ask you what you think about something, I don't know isn't an answer. right? Your opinion can be completely different from mine. I'll listen to it. I'll hear it. I might say, now I've heard you. I don't care. You're not going to be doing that. right? But I heard what you had to say. So at least I know how you think. And you know how I think. And now we understand each other as people. Okay, um, I, I and it, it's very very important to me that when I ask my son, and I don't have to worry about this now, but when he is, you know he's growing up, and I'd say, well, what do you think about this? He, that was the, one of the favorite answer kids have. I don't know because it's an easy freaking answer. I don't know. It doesn't require them to think. It doesn't require them to defend their position. It doesn't require anything of them other than to shrug their shoulders, right? So that was the place where you know what? We'll just sit here until you know. Well, it's not fair. I again, I'll say well, it's not fair for the end, but uh, you know, it's not, it's not to me. It's not fair to me that you can't answer a simple question. So I'll just sit here with my coffee, and you'll just sit there in that chair. And when you can tell me what you think, we're realizing there's no wrong answer other than I don't know. We'll be done with this conversation. Now, when they're young, they'll test this. They'll test this. You know, they'll see if they have more willpower than you do. But as they sit there in a chair doing nothing and you sit there reading a paper and sipping a coffee, uh, it becomes evident to them really quick that you can do that for a long time, a lot longer than they can sit there doing nothing. And uh, that battle of wills will generally end. And they'll say, well, I don't think it's fair because blah, 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 blah. Great. Now you've told me what you think. By the way, you're wrong, and one day you'll be old enough to see why you're wrong. But I appreciate the fact that you actually were able to give me your viewpoint here. When I ask you what you think, please do that in the future. Now, get back to doing whatever you're doing, or here's a consequence, and go on. right? And it's very, very simple when you maintain that level of coolness. And it, it, it's hard. And I can't say I never blew up on my kid and yelled at him or screamed at him or anything, but it never works out well. It really doesn't. When you're cool, calm, and collected, and you don't yell and you don't raise your voice, then they're like, damn, I've got to play ball with this. Right? When you lose control, they know you've lost control. They start playing you. Because they're people. They're smarter than you think they are. Next one, and I touched on this last week when I answered the question about raising a young girl up. Um, we never buy anything of consequence without a thinking period first. If it's more than a few bucks, if it is going to require us to look at our finances in any way, shape, or form, we don't buy it until we think about it. And thinking usually takes about a week to think about something like that. And this is, again, where you must model the behavior that you expect. So, for instance, there was this this uh, chair that we wanted for our living room. And my wife and I must have went back to the store like three times before we decided, yeah, we're going to buy it, and we paid cash for it, and we bought it. So we modeled that behavior. So when he would want a new video game or something like that, and we'd go, do you have the money for it? No, I have some, but I'd like some from you, and will you do this for me? And, you know, we'd kind of look at it and say, okay, well, this is 50 bucks. You don't just have 50 bucks, so this is a consequential buy. You have to think about it, right? Oh, I guess so. Right? So you want you want me to give you twenty, and, and you're going to spend thirty, and you're going to buy it, and that's okay, right? You want to do that? Yep. Okay. Next week we'll go get it. What? Right? No. no next week. Next week we'll, we'll you know it's it's Saturday, so next Saturday we'll all be off. We'll go down the store and buy it if you still want to do it then. But I want it now. Well, there's a lot of things you want now, but you need to think about this, right? And determine. And I'll tell you what. 
today where it's 100% his money-making purchases, he thinks about stuff for a long time before he spends that money. Right? He bought beautiful furniture for his first apartment, way nicer than the stuff I had. And he paid cash for it. And he worked his ass off. And I mean, you're talking like $1,500 for the whole, all of the stuff. It was a gentleman's chest and a really nice bed and everything and a nice couch. And, you know, but he shopped his ass off. He found what he really wanted. He committed to it. He saved up his money. And it was really hard for him to let go of that money. But he didn't finance it. Right? He didn't come, can you co-sign so I can build my credit? <laughs> no, that didn't happen. No. He worked his ass off, saved his money, and he bought his stuff. And I bet you, just like we taught him, you know, when your friends come over, you're responsible for them. When his friends come over and they're on his furniture, he's responsible for his friends. And they know that. Right? And they're expected to act like adults, not children. Right? Because he has to own. See, this is how this stuff works. Like, the things you model and do, your kids actually do. They grow up and do the same things. So you could say all the right shit, but if you do the wrong stuff, they're not going to grow up that way. They're going to they're gonna grow up doing what you did, not what you said. Again, it doesn't work. Do as I say, not as I do. doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, the next one is uh, saving is important. So is giving it away. So we taught them save money. You For every time you get some money in your hand, a little bit of that should get saved. 10%, 20%. But every once in a while, you should give some money away. So when there were charities and things like that, that you know, were going on, like or, or giving at church or whatever, we always said, you know what, you, you said, I want to help too. Great. Listen, what do you got? You know? And we never, like, he said, well, that's not enough, or can you do a little bit more, or any kind of guilt trip stuff like that. Whatever he did was great. But, like, when we went, you know, every year we would go do Toys for Tots. And we'd go buy a bunch of toys and take them to where the Marines were and drop them off. And we didn't have to tell him to pony up some money. Eventually, as he got older, you know, kind of 11, 12-year age, I want to buy some stuff, too, for the kids. Because modeling the behavior works. It's, it, it, it is so simple. And we have made it so complicated. And people have written books and books and books on parenting. And it all comes down to this. Model the behavior you'd like to see in your children. And if you have flaws that you don't want in your children, and you're going to do them anyway, don't do it in front of your children. That right there could save so much grief in this country, right? And then not talking bad about the other parent, whether you're together or apart with your kids, ever. It's their mom. It's their dad. It's a thousand times better than most people are doing this day and age where MTV and freaking Jersey Shore and video games are the parent, right? If you put your kids watching Jersey Shore and the Kardashians, that's the behavior that they're going to model. If when you look at that, you tell your kids, that is stupid-ass behavior, and I have no respect for those people, right? Your kids, if they value you, are going to go, well, I want my parents to respect me. I don't want to be like these idiots. And that's what you want. You want your 16-year-old daughter to look at the girls on Jersey Shore and go, or the Kardashians go, they're freaking idiots. That's what you want, right? So you have to model better behavior. And you have to demonstrate the advantages of better behavior and what comes with better behavior. It's, it is that simple. Um, but saving money is important, and so is giving it away. Making sure that your children understand the place for charity. And understand it's charity by choice. So if you're giving to a place, the kids says, I want to give that too, ask them why. And if it's just cool because you're doing it, well, do you know what they do? Right? So make sure they understand and, and teach them that charity is an investment. That they should be giving to places that actually accomplish something with their money. That they work hard for it. And they have a right and a responsibility 
to use it wisely even when they're giving it away. Right? It, that's, that's so critical. Um, the next one is when you make a bad choice, it's your fault and your responsibility to make it right. You know, if you screw something up, it's not your friend's fault. It's, I don't care if your friend did it too. It, this is basic stuff here, I mean, but that was like a big thing with us. Like, I don't want to hear your excuse. Right? But, but, but no, 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 no. Right? I just want the facts on the ground, man. What did you do? Okay. You know, that was wrong, right? Okay. How do we fix it? You, you don't have to explain it to me. I, I'm not really interested in why you did it because I know why you did it. You did it because you had a lack of judgment and you thought at the time it was okay to do or you, you convinced yourself at the time that you would get away with it or whatever. That does, it's irrelevant. The fact is you've done a wrong and now we have to correct it. So if we've insulted somebody, we need to apologize, right? As long as they didn't, you know, they didn't deserve it, you know, if you broke something, you fix it. If you can't fix it, you replace it, right? If you've done something wrong to somebody, you apologize to them. These are basic things. And, and that was really, really critical with us. And like I said, all of these rules were designed to transfer, right? These were all rules that were in our home that were designed for him to take into his own life and make his own rules without us having to enforce them. So that he had less and less of our rules and more and more of his own guidance every single year. That's the cornerstone again. Um, we also tried to teach him. You can have anything you want in life. If you want a mansion, you can have a mansion. You have to work for it, but you can have it. You can have any job, any career, anything you want in your life. You cannot have everything. You're going to have to pick and choose what's most important to you, and every step along the way is a choice. Man, we need to be teaching our kids that, don't we? Come on, America. What? Why am I even having to do a show like this today? I know there's some of you out there going, duh, 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 duh. But the reality is a lot of people are going, wow, man, that, that is what we need to be teaching our children. And the reason that they're, they're needing to hear it is because it wasn't done for them. And likely it might not have been done for their parents. Or at this point in time, maybe even the grandparents were lacking being taught these things. You know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, 50 year old grandparents out there today. Probably too many of them. It's pretty young to be a grandparent, you know, but. You know, it happens, and it's okay. You know, I mean, uh, I guess 50 really isn't that young to be a grandparent. Uh, there's some 30-year-old grandparents out there. That's a bit young, isn't it? Uh, sometimes I forget that I'm 40. Wow. Anyway, um, you know, I, I just think that that is a, a big lesson we need to be teaching them, that everything that you choose to, to go after, to get, to gain, will have some things you're giving up. If you have a high-powered career, it'll lead to a lot of great things, but you'll have less personal time in your life. You can buy a great big house, right? But if you do that, all your money's tied up there. Is that really what you want to do? It's not saying you can't do it. It's not even saying you shouldn't do it. It's just understand that you can have anything, but not everything. That's That was something that was said almost every other day when we had these conversations about buying stuff and waiting period. Um, the next one is the one I said say for the end of the rules. Life isn't fair. It isn't supposed to be. Oh, and likely you don't want things to be fair either. Whenever he said that things weren't fair, I would tell him life isn't fair. I'm sure we've all heard that. But I'd also tell him, you know what, you don't want it to be fair. That's 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 the one we're not teaching our kids. Especially when you get in that 15, 16-year-old who's old enough to work and all, and they say, oh, it's not fair. Well, you live here, right? So if it was totally fair, 
You'd pay, a, you'd pay a third of the mortgage, a third of the utilities. You use water, you'd pay part of the water bill. You know, it's not fair. It's not supposed to be fair. It's not designed to be fair. I have a responsibility to do these things for you. It's not fair, but it's the way things are, and it's my duty. Sometimes duty and fair don't go together. You serve the duty first, and you worry about fair secondly. It's not about fair. It's about what your responsibilities are. And if it were fair... Right now, you'd have to do a whole lot more, right? Or whatever you did would have an immediate consequence, and you wouldn't get away with anything. Do you really want things to be fair? No. Okay. Then let's not worry about fair, and let's worry about what's right. Uh, and, and, and that was, you know, I think kids are so fond of the phrase, that's not fair. It really didn't happen that much in our home. Uh, that was an unreconcilable objection. Right when I when I started using that, it was like I'm not even going to say that anymore because I know what he's going to say, and I'm going to be not getting anywhere with it, and it's not worth it, and I'm just going to deal with it and do what I need to do. That's what you want because that transfers the responsibility to them, not you. All this is about transfer. And the last one, this is something we always told them: we'll always have your back. We'll always have your back. That was our rule. My job is to have your back. Sometimes you'll do the wrong thing, and I'll have to help you make it right. And that might put me in a position of disciplining you or making you accountable, including to accountable to, to someone else. I told him, if you go rob a store, you're going to go to court. I'll stand there with you, but you're still wrong. So don't do it. right? But I'll have your back. I'll stand with you through anything, even when you're wrong. It doesn't mean I'll fix it. It doesn't mean I'm supposed to fix it. And if you do something bad enough, it, it might be that I can't fix it. But I'll be there with you. Oh, God, our kids need to hear that, folks. They're not hearing it. You can look across this country. I know some of you are great parents, and maybe you'll pick one or two little tips up here, and most of this you already know. But if you look at our youth today, it, so many of them are not hearing it. They're not having these role models. They're not learning these rules about life. And they're going into the world in their 20s with useless degrees and no real knowledge and no ability to actually be self-reliant, self-sufficient. So, in addition to my rules, I have some things I would suggest any parent consider when raising their children. The first one, and women, you're the worst for this. You really are, especially when they're babies. And this drives me freaking nuts. I may not have raised my kid as a baby, but there's been plenty of babies in our lives with nieces and nephews and things like that. Um, children are small, growing People, they are not dolls to be dressed up, and they are not clay to be molded, right? This, 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 this crap where the, the especially young girls, like in their early twenties, they treat these kids like they're a baby doll, and they go, "Oh, they're a kid. I'm going to dress them up. It's fine to put the kid in cute clothes and all." But if it's done to the exclusion of the child at all, and I see it happen, you know, and they're not clay to be formed. All of these things that I've given you so far with parenting, these rules that we had. It wasn't designed to shape and mold our child in, in, in the way that we wanted them to be. It was designed to set boundaries and principles that they would make part of their life so, they could, so that he could then construct himself in the manner that he chose to. It's not to force the person into a mold. It's to allow them to grow into what their, their potential is. So you don't force stuff. Right? There's things that you let go. Pick your freaking battles is what I'm saying. Right? If the kid wants to wear purple shoes, let him wear purple shoes. He'll get made fun of. Yeah, he won't wear purple shoes again. Or maybe he'll say, I don't care if you make fun of me for wearing purple shoes. 
You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just pulling a rabbit out of a hat with that one. I have no idea what it is. But if it has no real consequence and they really want to do it and it's not wrong, it's not immoral, it's not going to harm anybody, sometimes just let it be. Let it go. Don't try to make them what you expect them to be. Teach them morality. Teach them integrity. Teach them confidence. Teach them a sense of duty, a sense of purpose, and let them do with that as they please. They are not you. They will not be your clone. Don't live vicariously through them. Don't worry. If your kid doesn't like football and you were really good at football, but you were, you think he could be a little bit better, shut your pie hole. Let him go play the piano if that's what he wants to do. You know? And again, I'm just pulling stuff randomly here, but that's my point. Let it be. They're small, growing people. They have opinions. They have thoughts, right? Their opinions should be heard, and they should matter even when they're not followed. That's why what do you think always required an answer, right? I would never let my son get away with, I don't know. No, no, what do you think? I care about your opinion. You're not going to let me do it anyway. It uh, doesn't matter if I'm going to let you do it or not. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to understand you. And then at this particular point in your life, I'm going to make the best decision I can for you. And eventually you'll be able to make these decisions for yourself. right? But you're going to tell me what you think because your opinion matters. So you've got to listen to your children. Listening to someone does not obligate you to agree with them. We can learn a lot from that in debates as well. You can listen to somebody and you can respect their opinion and you completely disagree with it. So learn to do the same with your children. Your kid might think, it. what do you think about this? Well, I think I should be able to eat Fruit Loops for dinner every night. Okay, well, I'm going to explain to you why you're not going to be able to do that. But thank you for telling me what you think. Now we understand each other, right? But I set the rules at this point. You're not going to eat Fruit Loops every night, right? You, you know, you're probably not going to eat them every day for breakfast if we're going to make sure you grow into a healthy kid. Why are there Fruit Loops in the house? That's what I would ask. But that's just, again, I'm, random things I'm just pulling out here. Examples that I know happen in people's homes every day. You've got to hear their opinions. They've got to feel, feel that they were heard. If they feel that they were heard, even when you say, well, no, but they were heard, they feel respected. They feel like people. They are people. Children are people. I think parents, like, it's like somehow, like, there's like some kind of subperson or something, right? They have certain things that you need to do for their own safety, growth, and development for them because they haven't mentally matured enough yet. But the mind, The mind, it, there's plenty of kids that are smarter than their parents from a, a simple IQ standpoint. Respect that, right? Because what you're doing is you're training the intelligence when you listen to them. When they hear themselves say it and they hear what you respond and they see your decision and why, they're training themselves. They may not buy into it that second, but you're planting the seed that they'll, they'll have to go through that mental exercise. They'll talk to themselves, The second voice will be you at first. Eventually it will become their internal moral compass, their internal compass of all things, their internal honor, their internal sense of duty that will have these two-way conversations. And they'll make the right decisions for their life, and you can trust that they will. But you have to let them be heard. Then this is a big one, guys. This is something so many parents are screwing up right now. Your child sometimes needs to be sad, mad, upset, hurt, and unhappy. Sometimes they need to be, it's, if your kid is all upset and in their room crying because they didn't get something they want, leave them there. They'll get over it. They won't die. They won't die. If, if you tell them this is what's for dinner tonight and they go, I'm not eating it, you don't have to give them hot dogs. 
You can say, don't eat it. Here's your food. This is my, my kid was a real picky eater when he was little, right? I don't want any more. Great. I don't think you ate enough for dinner tonight. But if you don't want to eat anymore, we'll take the food. We'll put it up on top of the refrigerator. When you're hungry later, you'll eat that. When that's gone, then maybe we can talk about eating something else. No. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to go watch TV now. You don't have to eat it yet. But you're going to eat it before you eat anything else. What if I'm hungry? If you're hungry enough, you'll eat that. You know what? And if one or two times when you play that, they go to bed hungry, they won't die. They won't starve to death. Nobody starves to death in 12 hours. It just doesn't happen. Plenty of people have survived it. Your kid will survive it. If your kid skins his knee, he's going to survive. Don't, don't make a big deal out of it. Put a band-aid on it. Send him on his way. Your kid gets a bad grade, he's upset about it, let him be upset. You take your kid bowling, he's not having a good game, and he stomps his feet, and he's a little bit upset about it. You know, as long as he's not making a huge scene, let him be upset. Don't go tell him, don't you do that. Shut up. You did it. I know you did it. Right? I know you did it too. Right? I know I did it when I was a kid. It's okay. They can be mad. They can be upset. They can be hurt. They can be unhappy. Don't try to fix everything. We grow. We grow through experiences when we're knocked down. We grow through experiences when we fail. We don't need to be told everything's perfect and you're special all the time. What we need to be told is that, you know what, crap happens, deal with it. If you don't teach your children to deal with adversity, what will they do when they are self-reliant, self-sufficient on their own, and the first bit of adversity comes into their life and you're not there to make it all better? They'll fall, and they'll fall a lot harder, and they won't know how to deal with it. Let them lose sometimes. It's okay. In fact, I will say um, another thing to think about is don't put them in sports where everybody wins. If you have a kid and they want to play soccer or whatever, and they're real little, and they're so little that they don't want to use soccer, they don't keep score, and nobody wins, and everybody gets a trophy, don't put them there. Take them out and let them play with other kids in a playground. They'll keep score on their own. Don't put them in a basketball game where, where nobody keeps score. I've seen this crap. It doesn't work. right? It teaches them completely the wrong message. Well, we want them to learn that, that it's all about having fun. You can learn it's about having fun, and you can learn there's winners and losers at the same time. You can learn that. You can learn those two lessons. There's no reason you can't learn those things simultaneously. When I was a kid, I played t-ball. I was on a team. We lost. We played 24 games. I remember this still. I was seven years old. In 24 games for the season, we tied once, we won once, and we lost 22 games. 22 games. We sucked. You know what? We still had fun. We still had fun. And you know what? By the end of the year, when we weren't you know, getting called for mercy killing, right? we were no longer being beat by 20, 30 runs, and they were finally going, you know, we're going to end this now like in the, in the third inning or whatever, and doing a mercy ending to the game. And we were losing by four or five runs and playing, I don't remember what we played back then, like five innings or whatever. You know what? We were proud of ourselves because we got better. You, can, you, you grow a lot by losing. Don't put kids in these sports. And these, you, any of you people out there that are part of these organizations where you've made that decision, I am going to tell you something I said I wouldn't do today. But in this case, I'll happily say you are wrong. You teach kids that when they go into a competitive situation that everybody wins, you are programming their mind exactly the wrong way. Life is competition. And the beauty of competition is it shows us both what we're good at and what we're bad at. Because the next year, I played soccer, and I was good, and I got on a team that was good. 
and we were undefeated. And that team played again, and I played again. And eventually I played for a college-sponsored youth team. And I got to go play internationally for exhibition games in Mexico and Canada. Right? I wasn't good at baseball and t-ball, but I was good at soccer. And that's, that's part of losing. Then you learn what you're not good at. It's okay. Because some people will realize, I'm not good at any of this sports stuff. But they'll be the next Mark Zuckerberg, for God's sakes. So let them lose. You know what? When they play tag in the backyard, they know who wins and who loses. They know who runs the slowest. And that kid has to run harder than everybody else just to keep up. And they grow that way and they develop that way. That's it's, it's key, man. None of this everybody wins crap. And if your kid says they can do something themselves, especially when they're little and all, I know sometimes you're trying to leave the house and you're in a hurry, right? And the kid's trying to tie his shoes and he's taking forever. And you just want the shoes tied. You know what? Pick them up. Put them in a car. Let them tie his shoes in a car. Right? Don't tie his shoes for him. If, if your kid says, I can do something myself, let them try. If they fall on their ass a couple times, you have to say, let me help you figure out how to do it. Fine. But let them, let them try and try and try until they get it, until they either get it right or they say, yeah, I need help. There's so many parents trying to do shit for their kids. You know, when my kid was in school, one of the projects we had was this project with leaves. He had to go get all these different leaves and identify them, the structure, the shape, the species, the plant, and put this all together. And the one mother, the teacher told us, had, had waxed the leaves and made them, you know, like, why are you waxing? The, let the kid do the project. Support them. We drove them all over the place because it couldn't just be, you know, he had to do like 30 of them and there was like a list of 40 and he had to find 30 of the 40. We drove freaking 60 miles to get one leaf. Because you couldn't just get leaves and identify them. You had to get the ones on the list. So we worked our ass off. And I was like, this is ridiculous. right? Did I have to drive this kid four counties to find this leaf from this freaking tree of heaven, which was one of the leaves we got? And, and, and But then it's, these parents are like doing all the work. Let your kid do their own work. If they say they can do it themselves when they're a little bitty kid or a teenager, let them freaking do it. Shut up and get out of the way. And I also want you to teach your kids the value of education, but don't lie to them about the value of schooling. There are people that belong in the current education system. It's perfect for them. They want to be engineers. They want to be doctors. They want to be lawyers, right? But the value that we gain from learning is the education, not the certificate. And there are plenty of people in this world that are entrepreneurs and employees that are very, very successful that have never been to college. And it's time we stop lying our children and tell them that everybody needs to go to college. You know, the, and people are really good about this until it's their kid. You know, my brother-in-law's like, yeah, well, they're going. Your, your daughter's eight. How do you know that it's right, going to be right for her at 18? Well, they need it in this day and age. Well, no, they don't. He's worried about them getting a college student loan. These, these people are great people, but they're in debt up to their eyeballs. They're sending their kids up for the same thing. If you don't know what you're going to do in college, you probably don't belong there yet. You really don't. Or at least, okay, then step back. Go to community college. Take the basics. That's cheap to do. Don't go get into a university, even a public university, and paying full tuition and room and board and all that crap. Get a job. But teach them to value education. In this day of the Internet, anything they want to know is, is at their fingertips. I would have been in heaven as a young kid if the Internet had existed when I was you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. I love the library. I read books like mad. That's part of how I have so much knowledge is whenever I wanted to know something, I went and found out about it. I was a terrible student. I was an awful student. I hated school. I loved to learn. Right. So there's a certain amount of school. 
that's important and necessary in our modern society until the situation changes anyway. So, yeah, Johnny, you got to go to school. you got to get good grades. You've got to do your homework, etc. But don't when they say to you, I'm never going to use this Algebra 2 stuff ever again in my life, unless they're going to be an engineer or an architect or something, you know what? You know it's true, so don't lie to them and say, yes, you will. Because they might be smart enough to look at you, and if you're not an engineer or an architect or a math teacher or something like that, and they might go to you, really, when's the last time you used it? And then you might not have an answer, and then you've lost credibility. So why lie? What you say is, look, here's why you're doing this. You may, not, you may very well never do this again, but right now you're young, and you don't know what you're going to want to do in life. And you might even be three or four years out of high school and all of a sudden decide one day, I want a career as a computer programmer, and this is relevant. You might decide you want to build buildings. This is relevant. You might decide you want to go into engineering or some type of design or something else like that, and, and, and this, this will be relevant. And you might decide that you never want to do any of those things, and this might be completely irrelevant in your life. But it will help you learn how to think more critically, and that's going to be relevant. So this is something you need to do to get through this particular period of your life. That's an actual explanation. That's an honest explanation. Not just it's important because the teacher says so. It may have no importance to you at all, but it may have importance to you, and you don't know what crossroad you're going to come to. And when you come to that crossroad, and you want to go right instead of left, You want the ability to make a decision for yourself at that point. And I know it's hard for you to see that far ahead, but it could happen. And it might not, right? But just, you know, just like a lot of things that we do in the home are for if something goes wrong, this is in case something goes right in, in a certain way. And you have that option. That's an honest answer. The, yeah, you really need this? That's not an honest answer. You know, so why do we tell kids things that we know are blatant lies? You know, everybody needs this. No, everybody doesn't need this. Right? Do I know advanced algebra and calculus? No. I know enough algebra to make beer. And that's actually some pretty complex algebra, but it's only a few formulas. That's it. That's all I need. I don't care about the other stuff. And then I find myself doing shell spreadsheets, and I'm actually doing some rudimentary algebra. But that's it. I mean, it's stuff that a, a well-versed, mathematically-versed ninth grader knows. Is what I know. And it's enough. Right? Am I successful? Of course I am. So how can you look a kid in the face and say, yeah, you're going to need this one day? You might not. But you might. So let's do it because it's a requirement right now. And let's keep our, our choices open in the future. There's an honest answer. When you were dealing with that crap as a kid, did anybody ever put it to you that way? You know, it takes time to figure this stuff out. Um, but really teach them the value of education and don't oversell the school value. You know, get them through high school and then let them make their own decisions and be at peace with the decisions that they make. And this is my final one. Please remember what you do is so much more important than what you say. If you want your kids to value saving money, let them see you save money. If you want your kids to value education, show them yourself learning stuff every day. Read books, right? Discuss things with them. You might be surprised how many kids can actually have a, a conversation about theoretical physics and actually enjoy it. You know, I, I think the most most five year olds actually have a better understanding of theoretical physics than most twenty year olds because their mind is open to possibilities at that point that most twenty year olds have had closed by life. So have the conversation with them when they're five. Talk to them about the infinite nature of the universe or whatever it is that does it for you. Stretch the mind. 
Ask them what they think. And if they say something totally flat wrong, but, but there's thought in it, discuss the thought. But let them see you do it. You want your kids to grow up and value gardening? Garden. You want your kids to grow up and eat healthy? Eat healthy. You want your kids to grow up and learn to stand up for weaker people whenever there's an opportunity? Do it. Let me tell you something, man. Somebody disrespects your wife? Don't go taking a club and beating them half to death and end up in jail. But you correct it. And you demand correction of it. And if it happens in front of your kids, you let them see it. Because if you want your kid to grow up and be respectful of women, you be respectful of women. You want your kid to grow up to be a leader in your home, you be a leader in your home. Whatever it is that you want most for your children, model it. Stop this crap, this lie sold to the American people. I do what I do so that you'll have it better than me. Uh-uh. I do what I do so that you'll learn from what I do and you'll make it part of your life. And you'll have whatever future you want for yourself. There's been a lot of marketing that's, that's poisoned the mind of people in America. And it's poisoned the way that we parent. It's made it easy for us to walk away from our commitments of marriage. It's made it easy for us to allow the TV and the public education system and the marketing poured on by the government to raise our children for us. It's made it easy for us to make the decision that both parents will always be working. It's made it easy for us to do everything except the stuff we actually should be doing, the hard things, the being a role model, the standing up, the taking the time, the listening, the hearing, right, the modeling of the behavior. This stuff all takes more work. And most things that are worth doing take more work, right? And they, these, these are things that we know intrinsically. There's nothing I've told you today that you're really like, wow, I never thought of that. What you're thinking is, why don't we do this? Well, listen, guys, all the time I talk to you about what we can't do, what we can't change, but I always try to tell you what we can change is in our own homes, in our own backyards, Nothing is more true about that than the way that your children are raised and the way that the children in your, 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 your family are raised, your nieces, your nephews, and, and things like that. You, you can't go in and interfere with the parenting of another parent. You can't do it. It's always wrong. But you can still model the behavior. right? Because if it wasn't for a few good uncles and, and some good grandfathers and grandmothers, I would have had no role models, no idea of what I really needed to be doing. I really wouldn't have. So you can make a difference even when you're on the peripheral. Coaches, you guys can make this difference. Some of you guys that are like, I don't have any kids yet. And I, I want to help kids. Go out and become an assistant coach. Become a referee. Teach kids by modeling behavior. Do the things you want to see. Right? Don't worry about what somebody else is doing. You're going to tell your kid not to worry about what somebody else is doing. Then you're going to turn around and tell somebody who's telling you to stand up and be a man your whole life. I can't because. No, you're doing the same. See, it's the behavior. And then your kids have that behavior. And you wonder where it came from. It came because you modeled it. In this day and age, it's time for us all to stop looking at everybody else and stop blaming everybody else. It's time for us to stand up, be the men and women that lead our families together. When we're apart because of circumstances in life, that's fine. And still be that for your kids. You could shut up when your kids are around and you could say nice things about your ex. You really can. And your child will be better for it. And what's more important to you? Being right about which one of you is wrong or your kid's future. And I'm going to leave something with you guys today that I want to make sure that you really understand. I've heard parents say, I would die for my children. Great. If it absolutely is necessary that the sacrifice be made, if I had to risk my life to save my son, I would. 
If I was going to push him out from being run over by a car, and that might mean I get run over, fine. That's one thing. But you know what? Dying for somebody is easy. Because it's a decision that's usually made in the spur of the moment, and it's just what we do, it's instinctual. Will you live for them? Think about that. Will you live for them? That's what we need. We don't need mothers and fathers checking their inadequacies by saying, well, if I had to, I'd die for them, so that's good enough. No, we need mothers and fathers in their children's lives living for their children. Living for them, not in this like this weird codependent way that so many parents now trying to be the kid's friend and, and trying to always hold on to, to hold them back and keep them in. No, to be sending them out into the world as young men and women by living your life. Yes, I live for my kid, but I live my life, my way, on my terms so that my child will grow up and model that behavior and live their life in their way on their terms, even if they'll make some decisions that are not what I would have wanted. I will trust that I've developed a good young man, a good young woman, and that they're going to make decisions that I may not understand, but eventually... As they grow into adulthood, that's their right and responsibility. And remember that I didn't do everything right either. And maybe they need that mistake so that they can learn. Because there's so many mistakes in my life that if I hadn't made, I would, you know, people say, well, if you could go back and change things, would you? No. No. There probably wouldn't be a survival podcast. I might not have ever came to Texas. I might have stayed in the Army for 20 years. I don't know. But I know what I would have lost is something I could never give up. That's what I want for my son. That's what I want America's parents to want for their children. The ability to fail. The ability to fail. That's a gift. It's a gift that we can fail. If no one can fail, everybody's special. And then nobody's special. Failure is the way that we grow. Modeling behavior is the way that we teach our children that. Let your children see you fail. Let them see you get back up. And let them see you fix it. Let them see you make mistakes and let them see that you always make them right. Model integrity. Model leadership. And remember, it's all about what you do, not what you say. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Can't pay.
nobody up there cares. They're living for today. 